I just did, I'm just starting this new thing now where um, I'm recording the show on a, another microphone for the podcast. And I have this, I had this thing happen where I uh, forget <laughs> to start recording on the other device when I go live. Um, give me a minute here. Things keep changing on the show. Things keep growing and improving. I can't even keep up with it. All right, so I'm going to try this again. I'm going to hit it again. Another week, another week in HBAR, Hedera. There we go. Now we're starting. Now we're off to the races. Um, you know what? Is it all coming together? That's what I want to know because, you know, HBAR, the price is down, of course. We saw that little ride that we had in Dovu recently. That was cool. I think there's another token right now called Grelf from uh, from uh, Warlock or Cretes. But even though things are kind of down a little bit, and then we've got all this, you know, there's Silvergate or what is it? Yeah, Silvergate Bank, you know, and then we've got all the different regulatory stuff happening. Don't even get me started on Gary. <laughs> Everyone's upset with Gary right now. Gary of the SEC. Um, it's weird because he was at some kind of um, committee hearing and he basically said that Bitcoin is the only crypto asset that isn't a security because it is i guess he's arguing it's the most decentralized and it's funny because he said something to the effect of it's not like with bitcoin there's six people in the middle you know but there kind of is you know we we've talked about this before on the show of people kind of arguing that ethereum or bitcoin is more decentralized too Hedera Hashgraph, and you could talk about false equivalencies, but I mean, Mance, you know, from Swirls Lab said, you know, it's a, what do you say? It's a, it's a fallacy to say that. And I have to agree. I mean, of course, there's thousands and thousands of, you know, nodes on Ethereum and Bitcoin respectively, but I mean, how many of them actually are doing votes? How many of them are participating in the governance right? Where are those nodes? Most of them are on Amazon. And there's like, I guess there's maybe like a handful, maybe six, maybe a dozen. So there's so many art, there's so many, you know, things around that. I don't know what's going on with Gary. I don't know if he knows what he's talking about. Maybe he does, maybe he doesn't. But there's a great point made, you know, Bitcoin was the, you know, they got a first mover advantage. It's really what it comes down to. But is it all coming together? That's what I keep asking myself. Because we're seeing, like, when we go when we go back into the H bar bubble, the Hedera hashverse, things seem pretty interesting and pretty promising. I mean, I've brought this up before a trend that I've seen highlighted, you know, many, many, many times over, I'd say probably the last six months. People noting that the H bar price keeps going down, right, along with the rest of the market, but the value on the network keeps going up. And 
recently, you know, of course, in uh, January, we saw the, you know, first quote unquote step function with Avery Dennison Atma IO main net rocking at 500 TPS. Woohoo. Um, and then we keep seeing all this other news, right? We, we talked la or maybe not last week, maybe it was a week before, um, the Hedera, uh, social media account, Twitter account, following Sony quickly unfollowing. Um, we've talked about MasterCard breadcrumbs. The coupon bureau should be coming live. And then we've got all these other things, um, that are happening. Um, you know, and, and to me, uh, you know, we'll talk about a lot of it today, but you know, that's the question I was asking myself is just seeing all this news coming in, reflecting on the things that have happened. Um, and also like ETH Denver, you know, this is, this is, um, we see Hedera at these kind of conferences, um, and events, you know, last we saw them at Davos at the Hedera house and, you know, it just things definitely start to feel a lot more fleshed out and the numbers are there, right? Um, DeFi, NFT ecosystem, all these different things. It really does, you know, I'm, I'm just thinking, is it happening? Is this actually happening? Could a lot of this stuff come to fruition this year? Maybe. And we're live on Twitter Spaces with another week in Hashgraph to unpack. Uh, let's take a quick look at what we're talking about today. Um, we got uh, Brian, the H Barbarian. We'll talk about him. Um, of course, Hedera, ETH Denver. Um, we got Hedera, the network, setting some transaction records. Um, we're going to talk about WePay and WeCoin. What else is going on here? A um, little bit of Atmio stuff, a little bit of uh, breadcrumbs from the January council meeting governing council we got hashpack news citadel wallet news hgraph io news dovu news um gonna be uh, rob allen rob allen um in charge of the sustainable impact fund at the hbar foundation um his nickname is something like the shark i know uh the hbar bull has a segment on his on his weekly show um with rob shark tank or shark corner something rob's got a lot of interesting things happening um also to someone on the hedera community subreddit put together a really good research post um hash access they did something ai related we're going to talk a little bit about some uh, scams and stuff happening in the hedera ecosystem because we got to get ready folks we got to stay safe got some breadcrumbs some saucer swap things some uh Oh, some FSCO, Fresh Supply Co., MasterCard stuff. Maybe he'll tune into the show. I don't know. Might be listening. If, if I see if I see him tuning in, I'll bring him up. Um, but yeah, we got a lot of really cool news, breadcrumbs, rumors, all that good stuff. Um, and yeah, is it all coming together? I don't know. We'll find out. I mean, usually I go off on a bit of a diatribe at the beginning of the show, but we, you know, honestly, we got too much to talk about. I don't have any time for guests or anything. There's too much news. Um, had some people reach out. Actually, um, I'm working on an interesting guest um, that I think a lot of people are going to be curious about um, that I'm kind of excited about. Hopefully it works out. He's in Dubai right now, so I think he's sleeping. But when he's home, 
see if I can get them on. Um, and with that, good evening from Ottawa, Canada, everyone. My name is Brandon Davenport, and I'm a developer, artist, and creative agency owner at Dirksen and Davenport Incorporated. And like all of you, I'm a hash graph enthusiast. It is March 5th, 2023, 7 p.m. Eastern. I got a Diet Pepsi. I'm rocking out. I ran out of cream for my coffee, so I was like, what, ha what has caffeine in it? Um, yeah, there's a lot to talk about. Welcome to Hashgraph News and Rumors, episode 67. Is it all coming together? This is a weekly show that covers the top stories related to Hedera, HBAR, and everything in between broadcast live on Twitter spaces every Sunday at 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific, and made available on all major podcast platforms, including Spotify and Apple Music, which is cool. Um, every Monday. Those go up every Monday, so the next day. Get all the info you need about the show and listen to past episodes at itsbrandond.com slash hbar. If you're listening live, check out the Twitter thread pinned to the top of the spaces. Um, take a deeper dive into each story. Also, to everybody listening, take a moment now. Share the spaces. Let your friends know you're listening. The more the merrier. Get it out there. You can also click the little comment button on the bottom right. Uh, to the spaces, ask a question or share something interesting that listeners might like to know and I'll talk about it. Um, and also too, I mean, this is a reminder to join the Hashgraph Enthusiast Twitter community. Uh, it is a great way for Hashgraph newbies and early adopters to connect, team up, share knowledge, insights. The link to join that's in the thread. Um, and, you know, the show continues to grow from hundreds of listeners to thousands. And that's because of people like you guys take the time to tune in. And it's probably one of my favorite things to do every week. If you're interested in becoming a supporter of the show, please consider making an HBAR donation. Um, it helps me continually add value to the Hashgraph community and keeps the show ad-free. You can send a donation to enthusiast.hbar using your Hedera wallet. Brought to you by listeners like you. Um, I see David's listening too. This is really exciting. Um, I'm going to bring him up. I mean, I usually go over, um, you know, the price of HBAR and the price of this coin and the price of that coin. But, um, you know, things aren't so hot right now. You know, things aren't, things aren't, uh, super happy or super exciting. I mean, you know, we can take it, we can take a quick look. I think what's worth taking a look at though. Um, cause I mean, nobody wants to talk about the price of H bar right now. Do we, do we really, do we really want to get into that? Um, something cool though, um, is, uh, the mainnet hit a new record, 60 million transactions in one day. I think that was yesterday, the 4th. Shout out to the mainnet. Um, we're at an average of 640 transactions, um, which is which is up considerably. I mean, um, we did see a dip there. Um, let me go to the, to the bigger graph. Yeah, we saw that dip um, that started on the 24th um, and we were figuring it was kind of like a weekend thing um, but it lasted until the third so it kind of went through the week which was kind of weird but we're back up and we're back up stronger than ever really close to a thousand transactions per second which is crazy um, and everything else like I mean time to finality is under five seconds we're rocking and rolling things are looking good uh, but I've got David up here from Fresh Supply, um, and there's a lot of interesting things um, happening around this use case. I mean, uh, for folks that are kind of out of the loop, uh, FSCO, Fresh Supply, 
they were running on MasterCard Provenance blockchain, which was a product from MasterCard. Um, there was a you know really great product for a lot of uh, a lot of these use cases, and um, MasterCard's kind of sunset that product. So FSCO is kind of like, what do we you know what, you know we've got this infrastructure, we've got we've got this um, application layer, and we've got these you know payment rails for all sorts of different things like MasterCard, and we kind of need a ledger um, to support that. And they were looking around and they saw Hedera, and for a couple of weeks I've been talking about it, but I haven't had the pleasure of uh, chatting with David um, about this. So David, welcome to the show, and I'm really excited to kind of hear what you guys are working on. I don't know quite what you can talk about yet, but uh, maybe if you can uh, tell everyone a little bit about yourself and, and maybe FSCO and what what does all this MasterCard stuff mean? What is it all about? Hey, thanks for having me. So yeah, I'm in the office. I'm it's 10 a.m. in Australia, um, so it's not a Sunday night. So um, yeah, first off, thank you for having me. So again, there are limitations to what we can share. Uh, effectively, why HBAR? Then I'll launch into what is FSCO. Um, why HBAR? The adult in the room, stability of costs, allows us to have a huge amount of scalability, um, writing immense amounts of metadata um, for, you know, primarily financial outcomes, right? So what does Fresh Look Like Co. do? So um, we do asset tokenization, primarily in agri-food and commodity, as well as cross-border value chains, supply chains, yeah? So what are the things? Where are they? Um, classification of different events and event types from a create to an aggregate, disaggregate, um, to outtaking, to different things like that, right? Um, is a consignment at its point of origin? Is it a port? Um, does it have 120 days till its, um, till, till, till its maturity date? Um, yeah, so what are the things that are being financed? Um, those having specific conditions, and then using those conditions to objectively trigger payments. So that's the future, man, right? So primarily for offline industries, large industries, commodities, there's data data availability. Uh, That's an issue for lenders, right? So there's information that exists on, call it spreadsheets, um, you know, uh, ERPs inside of organizations, the technological shift you should be excited about is we're taking that information um, about industrial uh, scale food production and we're making that available with the right amount of security to financiers, right? So that's, that's a hard, hard thing to do. So now triggering payments. So th- there's the asset side and then there's the future of money effectively, so being able to trigger payments, right, saying the, the conditions have been met for this type of commodity, for this type of trade, um, and then sending that off on a range of different payment rails. So um, card, uh, again, why should you be excited? Um, why is, you know, any HBAR holder, or why are we excited? You know, we have worked with a range of different traditional finance um, as well as alternative uh, payment instruments, so triggering payment from an account, right? Um, saying, hey, lender, pay this bank account to using card as a financing instrument. I believe we're amongst the best globally doing that, using card as a financing instrument. 
Um, the interesting piece here is that that is completely uncorrelated to interest rates. So there's a little bit of payments black magic. Um, and then lastly, DeFi. Why is that exciting? So again, I, I say I'm in the language and communications business. What are, what are the things that are being produced and what stage in the life cycle are they? Are they specific? Are they the right specification, right maturity? And, you know, they were bought for X, value was added, and was there an uplift in value? That's one side. But the exciting part is that's where you hear things around your ANZs, your different banks. So, um, again, we've done historically and continue to do work with Commonwealth Bank, so that's the largest bank in Australia, um, around the largest supplier early payment on card um, it, program in, us, um, in, in agribusiness in Australia. Right. So um, being able to bridge new infrastructure, so the ledger, right? So one party owes another party, party A owes party B, party B may be a Walmart, a Van- China Vanguard group, or a large off-taker for some type of commodity, right? Party A was party B, um, and saying there's a, there's a dollar value for that transaction and being able to give liquidity to that or to be able to say, okay, these are the downstream cash flows that are going to come to this organization. Brandon sold me, you know, X amount of um, Angus uh, steer uh, for two or $3 million, um, you know, uh, in call it 45 days, 60 days, he's going to get paid back, right? So we know that, you know, what is the credit quality of the counterparty? So David is going to pay because David is a, uh, you know, $120 million revenue of your company that has, has historic offtake of X. So being able to describe these things, what are the things that what, what are the things that are associated with the commercial trade? What is the dollar value of said trade? Um, being able to describe those, that's where, again, fungible and non-fungible tokens become important because those obligations persist on ledger and, again, managed with the right level of security. Um, we believe that's the future of securitization. Not we believe. It will be the future of securitization, right? And the ability to write that in a stable way and write a huge amount of metadata around how was it paid, who was paid, AML, KYC, what's the currency trade corridor, uh, maturity, etc. right? So short-term working capital and then longer-term, um, which could potentially extend into bonds. That's not what we're doing right now, but that's what we're focused on, Right. So that's <laughs> it, there's a lot of complexity, um, but again, let me try to resummarize that. Uh, we describe things permanently on Ledger and manage them. We've you know co-innovated with Mastercard around classification of event types, primarily in the agri-food space, but especially in the agri um, in the agribusiness and cross-border space. Um, what are the things, and what are the commercial? Obligations. You know, what, what are the what, what are the financial what is the financial um, obligation between two parties? So, if you can imagine being able to say there was an invoice number for again two, three, not a huge amount, two or three million dollars, um, linked to two hundred of these specific assets that we can represent on chain. There could be x amount of tons, hundreds of tons, right? Being able to tie the two together—that's the future, man. Right? That that's. That's like the that's happening to the kind of agri food and commodity space right now, um, 
Yeah. That's huge. That's exciting. So what you're saying is a lot of these different um, transactions and movements on the supply chain side with food, like those will be recorded on the ledger publicly? Well, there will be a blend, right? So there will be fungible and non-fungible events. That's where security and information hierarchy is really important. But being able to say, okay, um, Brandon sold, uh, again, David, X amount of cattle. It was financed by Bank X. Now, Bank X no longer wants that on their balance sheet. They want to securitize that and send it to Credit Suisse. That's why it's interesting, right? Being able to discreetly say these are the specific assets financed against that are tied to a financial. They exist in two domains, but they run in parallel, right? So there's the asset, the asset layer. Then there's the financial layer, right? Being able to tie the two, that's where there's novelty, right? And so you can very quickly um, query what is that thing. So that's what we did on MasterCard, right? And that conditions have been met to trigger payment. Fascinating. Okay, so then the other thing is, and I've, and I've heard you say this before in an HBAR Foundation space, is that like when we look at the MasterCard side, like there there's going to be um, payments made via MasterCard recorded on the Hedera ledger? Yeah, man. The payment trigger, it's like that's wow. part of why you should be excited. So once we've launched for ourselves, you know, that same capability is going to be available to, you know, organizations that want to use event-based, so like pay attention to the specific wording, it's event-based payment triggering, right? So your capturing data source is the grain the right quantity? Is it the right level of protein or moisture? Did it leave port or is it waiting to be shipped? Is it in storage and where is it? All that wealth of information, you can't write that to, you know, uh, you couldn't afford to write that permanently on uh, Ledger, on, on, on other chains. We also like the positioning, the adult in the room. So that information should be made permanent and persist on Ledger, right? So, and then uh, as a result of that, we can objectively say condition, conditions precedent or precedent, for the payment being made, right specification, right amount, right person, right? It's going for to finance X amount of truckloads of beef that are going to Erewhon or Whole Foods versus, uh, you know, they're not missiles going to some suspect arms dealer, right? So this information is useful and it creates a massive efficiency in both domestic and global trade on the production as well as finished good trade time. Right. So now you now you guys used to be using the, you know, uh, MasterCard Provenance blockchain product. And I'm curious, like, was it a situ- was was it a situation where you were currently using the Provenance blockchain project and were already kind of, you know, looking over at Hedera like, oh, that's really interesting and, and kind of moving. Or was it a situation where that the, where Provenance was sunset and you kind of had to look for an alternative? It's probably more of, it's both, right? So number one, um, provenance, and I've got nothing but good things to say about the MasterCard team, right? Um, especially shout out to Leandro who headed that um, project and to Debbie as well as the Enterprise um, Partnerships team, um, both in Singapore and London. Nothing but good things to say about them. But number one, it's a private permissioned ledger, right? And MasterCard's core business is not in running layer once. Let's just be frank, Right. So it was an experiment around what it could facilitate. What are the outcomes? And certainly, event-based payment triggering 
where we're pulling huge amounts of data from different points in the supply chain and then committing those to, well, we have our own layer, our own middleware layer, and then committing that critical data to Ledger, right? Um, yeah, that's that's not MasterCard's core business. Their core customers are banks. Right. That makes that makes total sense. And it's and it's interesting too because I know that when you go back through the story of Hedera and Swirls, um, even you know before Hedera was launched as a public network. You know, the hash graph consensus algorithm was a product of Swirls and Swirls initial vision was to create, you know, a permission private um, ledger for companies. And then now, you know, obviously they pivoted and, and we have a public network. So it's really interesting to kind of see those different pathways that could have been taken. And now with Hedera being a public network. Um, it opens up all these different laneways. And you like one thing that was great from a, a recent tweet that um, FSCO tweeted out, um, you guys said, quote, um, FSCO central authority, the stack ledger layer is Hedera. The middleware and application layer is uh, Fresh Supply Co. It triggers payments on multiple rails plus MasterCard ecosystem, native integration with uh, GetSpenda. So, you know, from what I'm looking at, like, you you were mentioning other organizations or companies would be able to leverage um, that application layer you guys in that middleware application layer you guys are running or am I correct in that? Yeah, so I can't a hundred percent give you. Um, yeah, I, sorry, I, I'm just getting texted. I can't a hundred percent give you the. Um, uh, specific details, but yes, you're getting texts. They're like, "Shut up! Don't say anymore." <laughs> so yes, yeah. Okay. So that okay. capability. So if, you, if there are different businesses that want to use, you know, um, that are going to use Hedera and want to trigger payments from car, um, you know, again, like financial grade payment triggering, like you go tap and pay at your Seven Eleven or at. Uh, Louis Vuitton or to pay your uh, fuel bill um, at like a fleet level, that same, hey, who is this? What's the identity of this person? Is this the right asset? Do they have money in their account? And have they met whatever the requirements are? Those events will be written on Ledger. That's what we do. That's so fascinating. Then, That's so then triggering that payment, so we're not screwing around with like, oh, yeah, it's a science. No, it's the exact same good to pay payment instruction files as you would have on MasterCard. So we will open that up. So if you're on Hedera and there is a payments use case, um, you know, we can trigger the car. There'll, there'll be a whole range of different, uh, you know, real world functionality. Because say what you will um, about car, but car's accepted everywhere, right? Um, yeah. Yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense. And I mean, it has to be asked as well, just because, you know, when we, again, when we flip back with the kind of creation story of, you know, Hedera and Swirls and everything, a lot of the concepts for the governing council and everything like that was based off of um, a book written by um, the founder of Visa. And so obviously, you know, Visa pops into my mind. You guys are, have MasterCard and you also mention it triggers uh, on multiple rails plus MasterCard. Like, do you see... Um, visa payments or other major credit card payments um, coming to this this ledger? No comment. 
Right. Okay. No problem. That's okay. Um, <laughs> that's, that's, that's okay. <laughs> who, who's in v, who, who from Visa is in the HR ecosystem? Message me. Right. Okay. I hear you. That, that's the, you know, that's the fun thing about this show is I, I don't do a lot of like, I don't think I've done a pre, a pre prepared interview ever on the show. So I always appreciate people taking the time and like hopping up and everything like that. So I totally respect that. Um, and then the last question before I just continue on with the show. Um, and I, again, I really appreciate your time is, um, one thing that always pops into my mind is when you look at, companies like Starbucks or any of these any of these food companies or beverage companies that have to build trust with their customers to ensure that your product is organic or fair trade or what have you there's a lot of marketing dollars and a lot of work that goes into building that trust versus um, you know, hypothetical use cases I've thought in my own mind of ways that customers can look that up on the ledger I'm really curious to hear your thoughts on that I mean, we started in that, right? We started in that space, but um, around sustainability credentialing, right? Um, you don't want to add to a cost base of a business, right? But around sustainability credentialing, uh, we directly work with the national government of a you know large Middle East country for that, that the, their imports are sustainable. So effectively, a passport that the food, the food that is imported, right? Um, meets a specific criteria and what are the certifications around that? Are they, you know, are they an NFT that's applied to the supplier organization when they import goods that automatically expires around X point of time? I don't believe the dollar value at this stage is in the consumer side. Um, it will be around probably um, transaction level offsetting for card purchases. Like, you know, you will purchase something at Starbucks, 40 bucks, and a percent of that can be, uh, can go towards carbon offsetting. Like, I think that'll happen, right? And it's happening in the background, but probably less around the consumer side. We have a lot more scale on the B2B side and government side. Right. That's really interesting because that's the thing, that's the thing in my mind, just because, you know, I have a, you know, branding marketing agency and stuff like that. And a big shift that I see coming up is, these millions and millions and millions of dollars that major brands and even smaller brands spend to build that trust with customers and, you know, convince them that the products that they're purchasing from these brands are in fact truly what they're presented as versus that customer just being able to easily look it up on an immutable ledger, you start to go, well, all of those millions and millions of marketing dollars are going to start to be freed up. They're maybe not going to have to do that. They're, a customer there, isn't there, going there to have is to trust. So there's, yeah, a big movement. there's a big movement around MRV, right? So measure, report, verify. So these rolling validations that a, a company, you know, this is the footprint of a company. This is the footprint of a product. Um, is it offset or if it's not, if they're buying offsets, right? Um, or as we would call it, insetting into products. Um, that needs granularity. So uh, I'm not going to say too much, but the same infrastructure that can track assets moving through the supply chain across various transformations at scale um, can do this exact same thing about offsetting to object level, right, or asset level. That could be banks, banks if you're listening, or uh, businesses that are saying, okay, well, there are 30 people at this branch 
There are 25 in this branch. It's a five-star energy-rated building. Um, the footprint of that is X, or we want to offset all of the retail, um, the footprint of the retail spaces. That all needs to be tracked by scalable infrastructure, right? So I'm not saying just about the generation of the credits or just the tokenization of the credits, which is one piece. It's about the commercial application, the engagement, and the asset level in setting. So again, that requires um, some level of sophistication. So that will be a thing. That's going to be a, a multi-billion. It's, you know, it is already a multi-billion dollar thing. It's going to become tens of billions. Well, David, I really appreciate you uh, coming on the show. It's rare for um, executives for kind of like organizations like yours just hopping on a Twitter spaces like mine to uh, to talk about this stuff because it's big stuff. Um, but, uh, you know, I called this spaces. It is all coming together, you know, because I feel like it, it might be. One more comment. Um, if the price is down, that doesn't really, I mean, I bought 40,000 HBAR, more than 40,000 HBAR, right? When it went down. So, I mean, that's an opportunity, right? All I did was I dollar cost average my cost of transactions. So it's not a bad thing. Cycles oh. in the market are not a bad thing, right? 100%. Um, I, just, 100%. I, just, I just bought more for gas. <laughs> right on 100 percent. yeah like that that's the, that's what i've been saying and, and a lot of folks have been saying for months and months and months in the ecosystem is um for more macro factors i mean of course the the price of hbar and some other assets on on the token service are down but i mean value on the network continues to go up and up and up so not financial advice make of that as you will folks but i mean you know david that's a great point well, it just decrease my cost, or, uh, you know, minimize my operating cost on gas, right? Absolutely, absolutely, right on. Okay, that's this is exciting. So, uh, so um, let me think. So, I don't want to, I don't want to pressure you too much to give dates or anything like that. But um, you know, you guys are doing some big stuff. I guess I'd say, is it like a, a soon thing that you guys are going live, or a sooner than soon? Maybe like a how soon? Oh, within the fortnight. Wow. Within a fortnight. Holy moly. Okay, well, sounds like I'm going to have quite a bit to talk about next week. My goodness. <laughs> Thanks, mate. Right on. Well, I appreciate you, David. Thanks for coming up. Was there any, uh, just give you a last chance here, if there's anything uh, people should go check out or anything you wanted to mention? Um, yeah, why to get excited? Uh, again, that abstraction there between tracking assets and then triggering payments. That availability and why you should be excited, um, you know, it'll be expanded across the ecosystem. And to be the bridge from an organization that is using the ledger, but then enabling that to linking assets to payments, that will be available throughout the ecosystem and we will make it available. So it's coming. Now, I can't tell you, give you exact details on why you should be excited, but you should be excited. Right. So, um, and uh, look, what else? Um, look, I'll, look, I'll just leave it there. There's going to be more to come. Right. Under promise, over deliver. I love it, David. Thank you. I'll uh, I'll pop you down to speakers, and I'll, I'll I'll blast through the news here. But really appreciate you coming up again, man. All right. Cheers, buddy. So, um, we've got a lot to get through. But to kick it off, we're going to talk about Brian, the H Barbarian, 
Who is Brian the H. Barbarian? Well, Brian the H. Barbarian is a man by the name of Brian Brooks. You may know him from such, uh, you know, such uh, roles as the former acting comptroller of the U.S. OCC, which stands for uh, just waiting for the Twitter account to load up here so I can figure out what this acronym is. Um, Office of the Comptroller of the Currency. So big deal. Um, and also uh, previously Coinbase CLO. Um, so and also too ex CEO of Bitfury um, <laughs> and Bitfury. I saw Bitfury in the headlines recently. What's going on? Is it good or bad with Bitfury? Um, oh, maybe it was something else. Maybe it was something else. So Brian Brooks, big deal, um, and he is joining uh, the board of the HBAR Foundation. And there's a lot of excitement around this uh, for quite a few reasons. Um, and really the main thing is um, just he's a, he's a global policy heavyweight. And we talk about the lack of clarity with regulation. And then you look at Brian Brooks, and I also shared to the Twitter thread a video clip from YouTube um, that was Brian giving a presentation and answering some questions at a congressional hearing on the future of digital assets in his capacity as CEO, ex-CEO of Bitfury. Um, and the reason I like Brian is this, is the way that he explains crypto to folks on Capitol Hill in the U.S., is very different from what I've seen. Um, got a very folksy way about him. Um, has a very articulate way of kind of driving a point and has the experience, has the um, credentials to speak on these topics. But I think he does a really great job of talking to people in government that maybe have no clue what even Ethereum is or Bitcoin is. Um, a quote from, from Brian Brooks in the HBAR Foundation article is this, quote, advancing responsible widespread adoption of DLT and Web3 is something I feel passionately about, and I'm thrilled to work with the talented teams across the HBAR Foundation to make this a reality. The HBAR Foundation, through a comprehensive grant program, has successfully grown awareness, accelerated access, and increased commerce in the HBAR economy by providing expert support across technology, marketing, and business development. Together, we will continue to be thought leaders and drive the industry forward to deliver the vision of making Hedera the trust layer of the internet. That In that statement alone... He's done so many different things. And again, putting on my branding and marketing PR hat, that you know, there's a term in marketing and stuff like that called key messaging. And the key messaging is basically a breakdown of what is a brand or company or organization consistently trying to tell people. And getting your key messaging out there is really hard because it's spread across all sorts of different people, maybe saying things a different way than the other person. And key messaging is all about kind of harnessing the art of repetition to drill things into people's heads and get your point across. And Brian's statement here where he says things like making Hedera the trust layer of the internet, like he he's captured the idea of Hedera 
distilled it and given that key messaging to people. This statement that he gives in, in his capacity as a board member of the HBAR Foundation just shows how well he understands the Hedera ecosystem specifically. He kind of hits on all of those different points. Um, you know, when he says the HBAR Foundation and their grant program, growing awareness, accelerating access, expert support, blah, blah, blah. It's like he's hitting all of these things. So Brian Brooks is a um, incredible communicator and an expert at navigating um, all of these different things when it comes to policy. And the other key thing is he sits in front of high key government officials on Capitol Hill talking about these things. He's comfortable. He's plugged in. And those people listen to him, right? So having him on the board at the HBAR Foundation is big. And I mean, I was joking around too. I think Brady from Swirls tweeted something out and he was talking about how, you know, how great it is. And, um, or no, he wasn't even talking about that. He was talking about Coinbase and, and you know, buying coin stock, Coinbase stock. And I was like, dude, you know, we've got Brian Brooks, who was the head CLO, previously head CLO of Coinbase, you know, at the HBAR Foundation now on the board. You don't think that there's going to be some interesting conversations between the foundation and Coinbase? I mean, they've got the X. CLO of Coinbase. You don't think Brian's got friends at Coinbase? You don't think he still golfs with some Coinbase folks? You don't think he's going to tell them about how cool the HBAR Foundation is and everything Hedera is doing? Who knows, right? Because I mean, we've seen so many fascinating happenings at the, you know, at Hedera and the foundation um, that turn out to just be really serendipitous things that happened from the past. A lot, you know, there's a few, I think, governing council members and major use cases that started just as um, seeds from, you know, connections from coworkers that used to work together at a place. So I'm just putting that out there. Really cool stuff. Shout out to Brian, the H Barbarian. Um, also, too, shout out to all of the Hedera folks at ETH Denver. Um, I mean, not only does Hedera have like a, a, a wild booth there. I mean, it's huge. Um, they got a meeting room. They got Jenga. They got Connect4. Um, but I mean, we're seeing a bunch of folks from the community there. Like we've seen updates from May. We've seen updates from uh, Patches, from HGraphIO. Um, we're seeing folks like Lance from PixFi there. Like my Twitter feed is just full of people just meeting up, hanging out, talking about Hedera, talking about Hashgraph. The booth seems like it's bumping. Um, and it's funny because this time last year, right, in in kind of the, the winter of 2021, 2022, um, it was really different, right? I mean – Hedera didn't necessarily have booths at these major conferences. Um, really, nobody knew what Hedera was. And then recently, things have made a bit of a shift. It feels like Hedera, Swirls, the foundation have started to hit a, a new stride. And it's I'm seeing that. Just from the conversations that I'm hearing about, 
and what I'm seeing in my feed, you can just tell this is definitely a well-oiled machine. Um, and I'm sure that, you know, next week I'll have some people on the show from ETH Denver and maybe hear some stories about that and stuff. But for now, what I'd say is if you haven't had a chance, go on Twitter. I think Hedera has been retweeting stuff. Just check out some of the stuff that Hedera is doing at ETH Denver just as a temperature check. It's one of the other reasons why I called this space is what it's called, right? Is it all coming together? The energy's there. It's a vibe. Um, also, too, WePay had some really, really big news this week. And WePay is um, uh, launching WeCoin, um, which is a settlement network bringing the power of banking to the bankless in Africa and the Caribbean. So, And also, too, worth noting, EM Tech is a strategic partner for WeCoin. EM Tech, the CBDC innovation house um also you know if you want a quick overview of WePay, there's a video also in the thread that i that i posted um but basically the caribbean is a series you know of islands and all of them have their own you know currencies and it's difficult to settle things across of those and with WeCoin, what it's going to allow is um basically a cross-border transaction settlement system, uh, which is going to allow people to move money around all the different islands. Um, and they've got over 50,000 websites and point-of-sales terminals connected across the Caribbean. And the WeCoin settlement network is going to enable people and businesses to transfer and make payments securely at a fraction of the current cost and time. This is exactly what we've been talking about. This use case is exactly what we've been talking about. We saw that remittance test between Shenhan Bank and Standard Bank last year, I guess, or maybe even 2021. Now we're seeing these come to life in a whole new way, solving real world problems, right? Um, and this is what this is this is what this is all about. Uh, the CEO of WePay says, quote, WeCoin will reduce the resistance of doing business with Caribbean and African countries by resolving the main challenge of multi-currency correspondent banking. The Hedera network will revolutionize the settlement of payments within these territories. Um, so this is, you know, this is just a, you know, really big deal. And I'll read a little further here. Uh, quote, over the years, settlements between the Caribbean and Africa have been burdened by inefficiencies. Now, through expertise of the WePay team and the power of the Hedera network, we're actively resolving these issues. So that's what we're talking about is these are real world problems being resolved in a way that serves, um, you know, humanity globally, right? This is about bringing people up to speed, getting everybody the same goodies everybody else has. Um, and folks in Africa and the Caribbean are going to be able to um, participate in commerce and banking in a whole new way. And when you have everybody um, leveraging these new technologies, right, these folks are the innovators. These folks are the early adopters. And they're going to show, you know, the confused, right, banking system and regulatory system in America, and I'd say Canada as well, the country I'm in, you know, what's going on? What's good? 
right? I want to have this kind of stuff here. But it's the folks that have real problems that need to be solved that are solving it. And Hedera seems to be the key that's unlocking that. So, I mean, this is huge. WePay is huge news. Um, and although it, you know, it's, it's not a huge network, right? We look at the strategic partners like EM Tech. We look at the concept, right? We look at, we look at the fact that all of these people on all these different islands with different currencies are going to be able to purchase this WeCoin, coin, which is pegged to the US dollar because a lot of trade um, is done in the US dollar in, in these areas. Um, it unlocks so many things. It takes these dozens and dozens of wallets that a lot of these people use and can start to consolidate these things. It creates a better customer experience. It creates a better experience for businesses. Um, and quite frankly, you, you look at these innovations and it's just incredible. It, in my mind, um, when I look at um, countries where you'll have new cities being developed and new infrastructure being laid out, they're not necessarily building power grids and all this kind of stuff. They're going straight to wind and solar, right? And, you know, in Canada, where I am in Ontario, right, we've got a power grid that we've been using for 60, 70 years that was designed to last for 40 years. So um, these folks are going to move quick, right? And they're going to show us the way. I love it. I dig it. I'm keeping an eye on it. I say this is one to watch, right? If you were excited about Hedera being used for these kind of um, settlement layer, payment rail, banking um, use cases across multiple currencies, this is it. This is the one to watch. This is the first one, right? So I'd check this out. And just real quick too, another note on this is something that um, Carmel, CEO of EM Tech, said was it's it's very likely that before we see a CBDC, we are going to see a government-backed stablecoin. And this kind of furthers that narrative where we've got WeCoin, um, which is a settlement layer. And so these things are starting to happen, right? These um, pathways that have been outlined by the players putting these things into motion Shocker, it's starting to play out. So um, we pay. Keep an eye on it. Something else to keep an eye on is the mainnet. Um, I'm going to check it out right now. And for, for reference, I mean, we had the step function on the mainnet where we went from low double digits to hundreds of transactions per second, um, 40, 50 million transactions a day um, in mid-January. And we've seen a couple dips but we've maintained that, you know, hundreds of transactions. Now, when I go, I just loaded it up um, and, you know, we're rocking at over 500 transactions per second. So to me and to a lot of people in the Hedera community, your, your brain kind of goes like, what's changed, right? Like what's going on? The first thing that my mind comes to is, okay, Avery Dennison at my IO use case, obviously it's opt-in for a lot of their customers are more and more of their customers opting in to use Hedera. That would make sense because nothing on the main net um, has shown some kind of new um, variable to this, right? It's it's largely been at my IO Avery Dennison. 
So naturally, it may seem that more clients are starting to come online with the MIO use case. That is the most logical explanation for the TPS boost. Um, and the other thing too that's interesting is the account that pays for the transactions for the MIO use case um, was refilled with HBAR on March 2nd. Um, and I've seen some conversations around this, right? People have asked, when the HBAR Foundation stops funding the account that's paying for the transactions, um, you, you know, uh, that that are generated by the AppMIO use case from Avery Dennison, um, you know, what will be the impact of that, right? That that means that Avery Dennison is going to have to purchase hundreds of thousands of HBAR on a regular basis to power this use case, which is great. But right now, the HBAR Foundation is footing that bill. In my mind, when I think about this use case and also the foundation funding transaction payments for all sorts of use cases, to me, I also kind of look at that as a roundabout way of the HBAR Foundation transferring HBAR back to the treasury and to staking participants. Because when you really think about it, when the HBARs, let's say the HBAR Foundation sends, you know, three quarter million HBAR to the Atma.io account that is paying for the transactions for that use case. And over a 20 day period, it gobbles up, you know, half a million HBAR to pay for that. Where does that HBAR go? Right? It goes back to the treasury. It goes to staking participants. It goes to account 800. So then where does that HBAR go from there? <laughs> it probably goes back to the HBAR Foundation eventually. Um, so it's a really interesting thing. It, I'm starting to think more and more about the cycle of an HBAR, right? HBARs cycle through the system. And also, too, we talk about, um, oh, when is all these billions of HBAR going to leave the treasury and go into circula circulation? Never, right? There's always going to be HBAR coming back um, around, coming back and going to staking participants and all these different types of things and funding these use cases. And it'll never be a situation where um, Hedera in the future wouldn't, you know, juice up the foundation a little more or something like that. Like these things work through the system. They go around and around and around. Um, so I don't think it's a case of when is this stuff going to be expended? When is it out? When do we run out? When do we get to the end of the line? Um, I don't think that's the case, right? It's For me, it's about how quickly can we get this stuff cycling through the system? How quickly can we get this merry-go-round running? Because what that says to me is an active ecosystem of you know a lot of transactions and a lot of activity. How quick can we get an HBAR to the treasury? out to the ecosystem, flooded in, flowing through, back to the treasury, back out to the ecosystem. I know it doesn't work that way. You can't track an HBAR, but um, I've just been thinking about that recently with these topics about you know the treasury and HBARs being released and the foundation paying for use cases and all this kind of stuff. What goes around comes around. Also too, governing council meeting January 11th um, had a attendee uh, May Lamb. So what's interesting here is Danny, uh, who I see as 
you know, people call me the the Hashgraph newsman. Uh, Danny's actually the the Hashgraph newsman. He's always doing these threads of these deep dives. Um, and he recently uh, pointed out, um, you know, he said, you know, he put out a tweet, he screenshotted the uh, council meeting minutes and the the attendees. Uh, May Lamb was there, and he said, "quote Last but not least." Is the blockchain, the DLT, and the Web3 innovation beyond the cons, beyond the cryptocurrencies? So as mentioned by Stephen on the ESG agenda, or even along the value chain. Um, and, you know, May Lam is the CIO of the Australian Payments Plus. We've, we've heard a lot about Australian Payments Plus. I mean, we just had someone calling in from Australia from yesterday. It's not even Sunday yet in Australia. And... Um, you know, when we look at what's happening over there, um, we're starting to see some big moves being made. And May is from FPOS. FPOS is, you know, when we look at the, if I go to Australian Payments Plus website, uh, we look at the future of payments and the partners, FPOS is right there. Um, and we've seen tweets from um, uh, Rob at the HBAR Foundation about these different things and what's happening in Australia. And, you know, there's so much going on. And if we and if we keep going through here, um, I believe this, it was actually, yeah, that's Brian up there. So at Davos, at the Hedera House, um, or Brett, Brett McDowell, sorry, not Brian, Brett McDowell, who's the head of the board at Hedera, um, was giving a quick talk and, uh, quote, our capabilities include, oh no, this isn't Brian. Hold on. Who is this? It doesn't even say who it is. It looks like Brian. I apologize, Brian. It's, it's a, it's a, it's a bald guy. So I thought it was, I thought it was you or sorry, Brett. I thought it was Brett. What the hell am I even talking about? Uh, basically, Someone from Australian Payments Plus said, quote, our capabilities include Australia's domestic debit network, real-time payments, infrastructure, secure bill payments, digital identity exchange, QR code payments and experiences, and open wallet solutions. And I mean, this is stuff that is, you know, plugged right into Hedera. And then we've got Rob Allen uh, from the Sustainable Impact Fund um, at the HBAR Foundation um, who says the following? And I mean, geez, I apologize for butchering that last that last bit there. My God, um, Rob says, "Quote: Australian Payments Plus is the is the new merged organization that includes FPOS, now Payments Platform, um, NPP, and BPay, the Australian Bill Payment Scheme. This is the entire Aussie payments industry." And uh, Rob said this on January twenty eighth. So, and we've talked about that before. And you know the long short of this is things are things are happening in Australia it's clear i mean we just talked to david from fsco about you know bringing these different payment rails that include mastercard and all these different types of things and um you know supply chain tracking and um all these different things like australia what is going on over there it's so exciting um you know it's a big reason why I ask myself, is it all coming together? Because um, my eyes, and I think a lot of folks' eyes, are on the Australian's Payment Plus um, use case. And this is what this is all about. And we've got um, 
you know, just before we move on, what this what this piece says to me is on these Hedera governing council meetings, the involvement and the participation just is is continuing to increase. Um, and to me, it kind of shows that um, what we've heard from Mance, right, CEO of Red Swirls and ex, or not sorry, not ex founder, ex CEO of Hedera, founder of Hedera, co founder of Hedera. Um, what he said was initially, governing council members way back in the day would join the governing council, but not really understand what their use case was going to be. It was kind of a point of discovery. Now, new governing council members join. The, uh, the council and they have a decent idea of what their use case is going to be. A good example is the most recent governing council member, Dell, very clearly has a vision for their edge computing use case on Hedera. And what I'm starting to see here is a lot of these um, original governing council members are starting to open up a little bit, make some moves, bring on some new attendees, have a little bit more clarity about what exactly they're going to be building. Um, and this is what this tells me about FPOS and, and the you know Australian uh, Payments Plus stuff. Um, and I mean, we even saw what was that other QR code payments um, use case? Oh, I can't remember what that was. But there was a there, again there was a use case that went live um, with digital wallets, scanning QR codes, running payments through. Again, another Australian use case, I believe, affiliated with FPOS. So that's big. Um, and it's, it's starting to come together. And um, as we all know, too, the next quarterly governing council meeting is going to be taking place at the Google Cloud headquarters in California, which is crazy. Um, that's another signal to me that participation in all those different types of things continue to um, increase. We got two pieces of news from Hashpack. Um, one was earlier this week. Hashpack will be a strategic partner for Citadel Wallet. Um, a couple episodes ago, I had um, Citadel Wallet on the show. Go back and listen to that episode. It was great. Awesome talk. Learned a lot about what they're working on. Um, and Hashpack uh, becoming a strategic partner. So this is big. Um, and, and something that, you know, a key point from that interview that I have with Citadel Wallet, um, a.k.a. HBAR to the moon, um, was that when you have a hardware wallet, it's going to need um, a counterpart, right? It's going to, like when you have a ledger device, right? You need to use some kind of software wallet with that. You need, it kind of works together with something. And Citadel Wallet was talking about how, you know, they would be leveraging Hashpack and integrating with Hashpacks in a similar way to Ledger. Um, and now as strategic partners, I think that that integration is going to go so much deeper because as we know, Citadel Wallet is going to support all transaction types that the Hedera network supports, all different assets, right? Like we've got fungible tokens, we've got non-fungible tokens, NFTs, all those different types of things on a hardware wallet. So when you have that kind of tight integration and the software side of things, right, the hot wallet, the hash pack, um, wallet, helping inform some of those decisions and vice versa. It, to me, it just really makes things exciting. And to my mind, it re-highlights this conversation around cross-chain versus 
native hash graph, right? A great example of this is um, DeFi protocols, right? We've got Saucer Swap and others that are based off of Uniswap, right? That um, aren't really right down to the to the layer one. But then we also have DEXs like HBAR Suite that are going to be, you know, doing their smart node stuff and um, they're going to have, they're not going to be using smart contracts and all those different types of things. So they're building right down to the hash graph, but it means that they're not going to be super compatible with other networks. So it's this trade-off. And when it comes to wallets, you go, oh, can I have a wallet where I can hold HBAR and my Ethereum? And you can have that, but also you have wallets like Hashpack that, again, really are focused on getting as much out of the hash graph as possible and going right down to that layer one and leveraging everything that Hedera can do. And there, of course, there are trade-offs, but the upside is you, you can really experience Hashgraph to its full potential. And when you pull back, you really start to see the contrast between blockchain and Hashgraph. And now when you start to have a, a hardware wallet that, that's taking that same approach, and hyper-focusing on Hashgraph specifically and willing to make um, those tough product decisions and those trade-offs, um, the upside to that is going to be really exciting. So Hashpack, Citadel Wallet, Strategic Partnership, bada bing, bada boom, I love it. Um, also, um, a little bit of a cheeky tweet from uh, Tyler, CTO of uh, Hashpack. Tyler, I know you're listening. I'm not going to bug you. I know you're probably busy working on stuff. But I mean, if you want to talk to this, um, just request to speak. I'd love to have you up. But uh, Tyler tweeted out, um, quote, Hey, Hedera uh, uh, NFT creators, I highly suggest enabling auto association or associating the popular tokens on your royalty treasury accounts. What does that mean? So what I piece together in my mind is version two of Hashpack secure trade, right? I've had Tyler as a guest on the show from Hashpack. We talked about secure trade and I asked him some simple questions. I was like, okay, let me run through a couple of scenarios. Can I trade an NFT for some sauce, right? And he said, yeah, sure. That's exciting. Uh, then I asked, can I trade an NFT for another NFT? And he's like, yeah, sure. Great. Um, and I was like, okay, crazy. And then I asked, you know, could I trade some, you know, Dovu for, um, <laughs> Dovu for Grell for something? And he's like, yeah. So in my mind, if, you know, Hashpack is, is suggesting to NFT creators to associate other types of tokens to their royalty wallets. Um, my question is, and again, you know, Tyler, if you want to answer this question, feel free to request to speak. Um, but you may be uh, keeping this a bit of a secret. My suspicion is that will there be royalty payments paid out in these other assets? For example, um, when someone were to trade an NFT of mine, like a pixel rug, for some other asset, will, the, will I get royalties in like Dovu or something? Um, I'm really, really curious uh, you know, to figure out what that is. Um, and, uh, looks like the call has been answered. Um, we've got Tyler from Hashpack. What is this tweet about? Um, I'm thinking it's about, uh, secure trade version two. Am I completely wrong or, or am I, am I getting warm? Am I getting warmer with this? Uh, Hey, you're completely right. 
Ding, 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 ding. I would use the Twitter spaces like sound effects, but I find that they're like 10 times too loud. So I'm not going to use them. But yeah, so, okay, let's let's break this open a bit. So why are NFT creators going to want to associate stuff like Sauce and Dovu and whatever to their treasury accounts? Like what's going on with that? Uh, yeah, I mean, so if your NFT has a 10% royalty and somebody trades your NFT for some sauce, uh, 10% of the sauce will be given to the NFT creator. So that's crazy. So, okay, let me wrap my brain around this because this is really exciting. So obviously, as we know, you know, in this case, atomic swaps are, are managed by the protocol and royalties are managed by the protocol. But I know that the, the, the royalties programmed onto a token ID itself, we're going to get a little technical here, but... Um, the royalties programmed onto a token ID that are the royalties executed by the the Hedera protocol, um, those are all denominated. Well, I guess they aren't denominated in HBAR. It's just a percentage. That's interesting. I didn't even think of it. it's literally just a percentage. So you so it's it, what you're saying is it's it's handled in in, in the same way. Yeah. Yeah. Um, wow. Let me. I've got the documentation here. Let me just read exactly what it says. Um, uh, the royalty fee charged is a fraction of the value exchanged for the NFT. Um, and so this, this can be any, any fungible token swapped for an NFT. Yeah. Well, wow, Okay. So this, so what you're saying is this is kind of baked into the network from, you know, I, I'll say day one, but obviously like this was kind of added to the network at some point, but this isn't a new addition. This is just how, um, royalties are programmed to function. It doesn't necessarily have to be HBAR. Exactly. Yeah. The it's 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 always been kind of how royalties worked. Um, it's just nobody really had the ability to swap a token for an NFT. Um, so it, I don't. I just don't think people are very aware of it. But um, yeah, it's kind of how it's always worked. That's so exciting. So so basically. The, the big call to action for NFT creators is associate the different assets that you'd like to be receiving as royalties, right? Like maybe people are going to be trading your NFTs via Secure Trade version 2 in Sauce or Dovu or whatever. I mean, one of the scenarios we talked about is you could trade, um, you know, an NFT for some Sauce, some Dovu and some HBAR and whatever that is bundled together. 10% of those assets are going to end up in your project's treasury account. Um, so that's going to be really interesting. Like really up until now, um, it's really just been HBAR. That's been the the lifeblood of the NFT ecosystem, but that could expand to other assets, including USDC. Do you see um, marketplaces taking advantage of this? Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think definitely um, we're going to see especially usdc right like it, it it makes sense to start pricing things in kind of dollar values like uh once you start getting into like purchasing nfts with credit cards and like that kind of a streamlined flow um it i, I mean essentially if 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 a token has a a us value like a dollar value um why not just accept any token if it's an equivalent value for a NFT, right? Um, 
you, you can go a lot of ways, but I definitely think it, at least USDC is going to start getting a little more popular. Um, yeah. I love that. That's huge. Tyler, I appreciate you jumping up and breaking that down for me. Did you want to give a uh, shout out or, or mention anything just before I pop you back down? Um, I don't think so. Did Did you touch on kind of the, the scam stuff going on? lately with the oh yeah that's right i i got that up on my queue i mean yeah that's another thing so somebody bought google ads for um a cleverly worded um hash pack url um that obviously brings you to a website that's going to try to take the stuff inside of your um, wallet and that's a whole new level right obviously scammers are starting to see the return on investment um, for this community and um, it's worth noting that a lot of people in the Hedera ecosystem you know it is their first foray into crypto they haven't really experienced a lot of the tomfoolery that happens on other networks um, so I feel like this is going to blindside a lot of people, and I and I think that awareness needs to be brought uh, about this type of stuff. So, was there anything you wanted to talk about on this specifically? Because I think that your insights would be really helpful. Yeah, so it's definitely a, a new type of scam uh, for the kind of Hedera network and, and Hashpack. Um, it it caught us off guard. We were like, this this guy is saying that he entered his seed phrase into like a website that looks like hash pack. And, you know, it, it, he said it popped up an error that like we don't have in hash pack. So that set off some red flags and we started doing some research onto what that could have been. And yeah, we came across, uh, I think we found two sites that were quite, quite closely mimicking hash pack. And uh, it, it basically looks like you're importing an account to hash pack. Like they, kind of recreated the exact screen of entering your seed phrase to import an account. And um, it's like what the URL is like one letter off with a different, it's like dot something. Um, and yeah, it's, it's very like, it, it's, it's well done. I got to say, but um, you just got to be really careful out there with this stuff. Um, they're getting pretty creative with these scams. And like every, every time somebody reaches out to me being like, my H bar is gone. Like, what happened my like my stomach just sinks and i i hate it you know like these people are just awful that are doing this to people and it, it's it's hard to combat right like you see we we probably get like three to five twitter accounts banned a week that are impersonating us and it's it's just endless you know um they're obviously finding some sort of success here like if they keep doing it and it's a bit of a testament to like how the community is growing and like the space is growing and it just sucks to see it, you know? Yeah. There, there unfortunately is a correlation of stolen H bar to network growth, uh, you know, and really any other network too. And the key thing that I think that, you know, you know, breaks my heart too is I see so many incredible community, you know, Twitter spaces that are the these onboarding spaces. I was actually just on one of these with um, Binks, 
who is part of the Pixelland NFT project. Shout out to those guys. And she's been doing some incredible onboarding spaces where they'll just have, they'll have people literally join the spaces, never heard of Hedera. They're excited about it. They'll open up a hash pack. Um, you know, some folks in the community will throw them 50 H bar. They'll grab some NFT on Zeus. They have a great time. But a part of that journey is probably um, them, you know, oh, I've got to get a hash pack. So they maybe Google hash pack or something. And that could be the point where they click on one of those ads. Now, I mean, hopefully most folks are using ad blockers, but I mean, that's sometimes what can happen is when you're doing these word of mouth things or you're saying to somebody, oh yeah, grab a hash pack, you know, go to the hash pack website. What do you do first? You go to Google and that's where this really breaks down, right? People can purchase, you know, fraudulent ad space. Um, and that's how we break trust in kind of advertisements and stuff. I, like Google ads can't even touch the amount of garbage I see on like Twitter ads when I'm scrolling through and stuff. I mean, it's only a matter of time that we see some kind of false Twitter ad for, um, you know, something Hedera related. It's th- these kinds of things happen. So um, maybe like what would be a good piece of advice or a good tip for not just people new to the ecosystem that are trying to get a hash pack, but for people in the ecosystem like myself that are trying to onboard people to Hedera, obviously a key part of that is, you know, um, getting them into a Hedera wallet like Hashpack. Like in my mind, like what's the best call to action to give them instead of going, oh, go to the Hashpack website, knowing nowadays they might not get to the actual real Hashpack website, right? Like what what would you say to somebody? Yeah, great question. Um I, I guess sharing the correct website would probably be the easiest way to kind of ensure that they're going to the right spot. Um, I mean, I, I don't think that these ads will be long lived. Um, like new ones may pop up, but like we will, we'll get them banned pretty quickly. Um, as soon as we kind of hear about them, like if, if anyone notices any of these, please send us a message. Um, and we'll uh, assemble the army to report them. But just just linking the um, official web, like official channels, I guess. Um, and like, you know, double checking, triple checking before entering your seed phrase anywhere. Um, I guess that that's kind of the lucky thing for onboarding is like these, these sites are targeting people that have a seed phrase already. So, you know, if, if you don't have an account, you're probably going to be okay unless you enter like a random seed phrase you have from another chain that's probably that might get you but i I don't think that will really happen um but yeah it's it's a kind of constantly moving target to stop this stuff right yeah that would be the next level is if one of these scam websites actually allows someone to (laughs) create a dara wallet that would that would be brutal well uh you know tyler i really appreciate you you popping up and i'm Excited about Secure Trade, like just the fact that USDC is going to hopefully start moving through the NFT ecosystem a little more with this and some of these other assets. Like, um, I think that it's going to definitely add a whole new color to the NFT ecosystem and just, um, you know, arguably over the counter um, trading and stuff like that of various assets and different things like it's you know really really cool so i appreciate you coming up was there um anything else that you wanted to just quickly shout out or uh tell people to check out um 
Not off the top of my head. Uh, keep an eye out for our next release. I think it's uh, I think it's actually live on Android. I think it accidentally pushed that live earlier. But uh, yeah, keep an eye out in the next day or two for uh, the Secure Trade V2 release. Wow, Secure Trade V2 in a couple days. I'm excited. That's uh, that's awesome. Buying and selling NFTs for other assets for other NFTs, truly for the first time trading, right? Trading NFTs for other NFTs. That's going to, that's going to be fun. Like that's, that's so nostalgic. Like, um, you know, if you've maybe got some H graph punks or something and you're like, Oh, I want yours and you want mine. Just being able to swap NFTs. Like <laughs> that alone is going to be so cool. It's, it's going to be cool. We kind of designed it around like, you know, like, like a RuneScape or like World of Warcraft trading screens, you know, like, right. It, it'll be very kind of familiar to a lot of people, the interface. So yeah, I'm excited for people to play with it. Um, and yeah. Rock on. Well, Tyler, I appreciate it. I'm just going to boot you down uh, back to listeners. Um, but I mean, yeah, Hashpack Secure Trade sounds like it's coming next week. Let's get going. Let's start trading NFTs, actually trading NFTs, not just moving NFTs around this one for that one. Let's make it happen. Um, And also get some sauce or Dovu or whatever else as royalties, royalties up to the next level. Um, Two announcements from HGraphIO. HGraphIO, of course, uh, the uh, brainchild of Turtle Moon Command Center um, announces that they will be partnering with Upside Co-op and PiFi, um, which is really exciting because the use cases that um, Upside Co-op and, and you know and PiFi are working on is regarding DAOs, right, and how they can be legally and uh, regulatory compliant, and you accomplish that through a co-op, right? So you'd have um, a community around a project on an you know on a layer one or a layer two or you know some some dlt um exchanging value and doing different activities and then you've maybe got uh, a corporation and then you create a co-op um you basically give the co-op ownership of a part of the corporation you give the community ownership of the co-op and you can move things around it's really great um, that's exciting. It's they got some really cool, exciting things coming, and they're going to be leveraging HGraphIO, which of course is a uh, GraphQL uh, interface for them. You know the hash graph. I mean, you know HGraphIO enables a ton of different development for a lot of folks on the network, um, which is exciting. And also, they announced they're going to be launching a Mirror Node REST API. Uh, which will be available before the end of March. So, I mean, if you're developing on Hedera and you got to be able to query stuff from the mainnet, check out HGraphIO from my pal Patches. It's good stuff. Um, the Hashgraph Association, or what, what, what are they called? The Hashgraph, yeah, the Hashgraph Association um, is committing 100 million euros to support fintech and blockchain startups with the aim of empowering young entrepreneurs to d- adopt digital assets and DeFi. So the Coin Journal has an article about this published on the 28th of February. Um, and they've partnered with Orange. Um, and they are going to promote digital assets and blockchain adoption in Morocco. 
Um, other than funding, the partnership will promote education and innovation in emerging technologies in Morocco across the region. Um, so this is another accelerator move, right? And I think that the Hashgraph Association had representatives out of Dovu. Um, I mean, these guys are heavy hitters. Uh, I know a couple people that they're also working with as well. Um, and they're kind of the same vibe as the HBAR Foundation, right? I mean, we've got these different grant uh, funder, funding bodies within the ecosystem. The Hashgraph Association is one major one. So um, I'd say, you know, keep your eyes on on the Hashgraph Association. It seems that what they're doing has been pretty successful. Um, and we got another 100 million euros in the pot. Right. And this is, again, innovation happening outside of North America. This is a big thing. The adoption of Hedera is truly going to need to be global. Um, and, you know, there are major hubs and economies and movements, artistic movements, uh, financial movements, all these different things happening in, like we talked about, the Caribbean and Africa, India, um, Philippines, like these are areas that are going to be doing the big innovative moves that are going to, you know, reinvigorate a lot of us folk. Um, and I think that's where we need to be looking. We need to be looking outward because um, as crazy as things are over here, um, it's also crazy out there um, in a different way. It's very, very exciting stuff. Also, too, Dovu announces updates to its carbon purchase multipliers. They've increased their temporary carbon purchase multipliers. So um, when you uh, purchase carbon offsets on Dovu, um, you're going to see an increase in the APY bonuses across the board. So if you're staking your Dovu and you're making moves, check that out right now because um, – you could be making your moves a little more movier, to put it very technically. Um, going back to Rob Allen from the HBAR Foundation, head of the Sustainable Impact Fund. We've been talking about Rob quite a bit. Rob has been very vocal. Rob has been doing some cool stuff. So he put out a post on LinkedIn in response to a post on LinkedIn uh, from Not Centralized. Um, Not Centralized uh, has been selected for the uh, uh, Reserve Bank of Australia's uh, CBDC initiative. So Not Centralized says, quote, we're excited to announce that we've been named as one of the pilot projects for the Reserve Bank of Australia's CBDC initiative with the Digital Finance CRC. Our project, which involves trade flows for construction payments, in an aged care facility will be one of the first amongst other projects here. So that's exciting. Rob Allen tweets, delighted that the great team at Not Centralized were among the few selected to join. And even more delighted, they have chosen to build on Hedera. So it's kind of crazy. Like we've talked about multiple um, use cases in this capacity, including CBDCs, just today, right? Is it all coming together? According to Rob, it may be. Um, also, too, Rob recently appeared alongside Nigel Dobson, the banking services portfolio lead at ANZ. We talked about ANZ previously as well. 
It's clear that traditional DLTs might not be able to cut it because Neil Dobson said in this interview, being interviewed by Rob Allen from the HBAR Foundation, he said, um, the network of choice, of referring to Ethereum, uh, has been tested and he is not a fan, right? We're starting to see a bit of a trend, especially when it comes to the sustainability angle of things and also the governance angle of things. It can't be understated um, that as Lehman put it, there is a crisis of governance in the Web3 space. Um, we just had David on at the beginning of the show from FSCO talking about how um, when they are going to be developing these payment rails that facilitate MasterCard payments uh, that are event-based, they like Hedera because Hedera is the adults in the room. So for better or for worse, you know, Hedera is, in, is, is you know, the adult in the room. Um, and I mean, when we see folks like Nigel, who are, you know, at A&Z and, and We've seen this this thread, right, of people talking about, oh, we were using this or we were using that or we've been looking at Ethereum or we've been looking at that and it doesn't cut it. And then we found Hedera. And I think that I can't remember who said this, but um, A, a lot of these major organizations and companies and governments are not going to be, um, you know, investing or looking at just one DLT. They're not going to put all their eggs in one basket. Also, we see governing council members on Hedera running nodes for other layer ones and twos, right? So um, that's the other side of this, right? So the second thing is a lot of these pilot programs, R&D initiatives, all these different types of things, this tech debt that's being taken on by these companies, was started before Hedera was a public network or very early on before Hedera was, let's say, open sourced or um, had that minimum viability, right? They're still on that track. And I think that in this case, specifically, when we look at Nigel from ANZ, they're at a cycle in their R&D where they were looking at Ethereum, they've reached the end of this R&D and they've determined that it's not the right fit and they see the other options out there and Hedera seems like it might be the right fit. It doesn't mean that they're abandoning other networks. It doesn't mean that they're only throwing in with Hedera. I don't know if that is the case. It could be. But it does mean that some of these initiatives at some of these organizations in Fortune 550s and Fortune 10s, they are reaching that point where they're having to make concession after concession after concession, and it's too much. And they're realizing that they're not going to have to do that on a network like Hedera. And at some point, they're going to have to admit that maybe they were wrong and maybe they wasted a bunch of money, and that's tough. It's tough to convince shareholders that, listen, this initiative we took on was not successful. And maybe we spent millions or tens of millions of dollars and we have to go in a different direction and try it all over again. And that's part of this process. And they're going to continue getting closer to Hedera. Uh, in this case, we saw that. So this interview clip. I highly encourage people to watch it. It's in the thread pinned to the top of the spaces. Check it out. 
Um, also, too, I'm not going to dive into this. We don't have time. It's already 8.30. It's so hard to keep these under an hour and a half. Um, but I encourage people to read the Sunday research thread published on the Hedera community subreddit by user Troy STA. Um, and, you know, they publish regular Sunday research threads. I really appreciate these. They talk about um, on this on this uh, post specifically, they're talking about universal digital coupons, obviously referring to the 8112 standard um, coupon bureau. Um, the key thing here um, is where is it? Uh, they mentioned something. Let me do a control F here. Hmm. Hmm. Could have sworn there was something that said June or July. Uh, but lots of good insights here. Um, one thing too, but that I wanted to just highlight in this Sunday research thread. I mean, go read the whole thing. It's really great. A lot of the stuff I've talked about before, just in relation to coupons, but go check it out. Great refresher. But one that's highlighted in this is a forgotten use case, which is canopy right. We've talked about Canopy Right on the show before at length. It's something that I really love. Um, it is a cannabis use case that helps um, people that need to catalog um, uh, and you know cultivate that intellectual property for the different cannabis strains that they produce and um, you know sell to people and all these different things. Um, it is a use case running on Hedera that creates this. Um, you know, this this system of providence for cannabis strains that um, you literally, you know, bag and tag the actual cannabis and, and prove ownership and secure that and create that, um, those guarantees and trust of various strains of cannabis and allow these deals to be done for another brand to leverage a strain of cannabis and um, have those royalties, you could say, paid out appropriately. So it's this really robust network for this um, cannabis industry. Um, and I'd agree, it's, it's kind of forgotten. I mean, it's really exciting. Um, and, you know, I'll just read real quick before we move on to our to the rest of our stories here. Um, Troy ST8 says in their thread, quote, I have not heard anything about this use case in years and though it was and thought it was dead in the water. But no, they just launched. I'm thinking it had to do with maybe looser regulations. Who knows? They seem to be in beta, beta now, but they do have an entire page dedicated to how Hedera is involved. It actually looks pretty well done for how quiet everything has been. I think it's a really great platform for the cannabis community to share their strains and even get paid. I think it's great, but it goes to show that the use cases being built on Hedera aren't always going to be served up to this community because it's not a use case for us. It's not a DeFi use case. It's not something for the Hedera community. This is something for the cannabis community, and they don't know what Hedera is. They just need it to work. Um, so I'd encourage people... If there's a use case that you are really excited about that was building on Hedera and you maybe have forgotten about it or you haven't heard a lot about it, go search it up. Check it out. They're probably doing something that you had no idea about because 
they're not focused on keeping up with the Hedera community and all those different types of things. They have their own communities and those communities maybe have no clue what a DLT is. They just need the, the thing to work properly. Um, follow up with those use cases. Take a look. What have they been up to? In this case, this was a use case that I thought was forgotten and it's not. But a use case that was forgotten in this in this scenario. And oh boy, I was miffed. Also, too, something I was, I got two gripes for Hedera. I'm going to, I'm going to, I have some, I have some complaints with Hedera. My first complaint has to do with um, leaving out AdsDAX from uh, the, uh, a list of use cases. Um, but we'll talk about that in a minute. The, the, the other thing that I'm miffed about, that I'm rightfully pissed about is, Hedera tweeted out, LOL, recently. I actually think it was yesterday, maybe Friday, can't remember. The Hedera account tweeted out, LOL. That's it. People lost their minds. Um, everybody was going, what's, what's happening? What's going on with the social media guy running the account? Who gave Lehman the Twitter login? We didn't know what was going on. I mean, the Hedera Twitter account's been kind of going off the rails a little bit in a great way. Um, obviously, Hedera is owned and governed by, you know, major corporations and quote unquote adults in the room. And that can be boring sometimes. And when you have an account like that with, you know, well over a quarter million follower, followers tweet out, LOL, it's strange. But again, putting on my marketing and branding hat again. This is a common tactic used by major brands that have over a quarter million followers on Twitter. And it, it's what we would call a punchline tweet. A punchline tweet is something that is um, non-contextual, right? It doesn't have any context. It's just LOL. And what it's there for is for the community to use. And how I used it was I quote tweeted it and I said, um, you know, my friend, uh, you know, but Ethereum and Bitcoin are more decentralized than Hedera. And then me. And then LOL. But the Hedera tweet. I mean, it's, it's terrible to explain a meme. But it's that punchline to a tweet. And it's a great punchline because when you see it, right, it, it's in context like, oh, LOL. But then you go, oh, that's a tweet from Hedera. And it's just it, it, it kind of exploded and it went out there and it was really great and fun and all those different types of things. And they deleted it. It was so fun. It was so nice. It was. It, it was. It brought a smile to my face, um, and it was deleted. Maybe it was that one grumpy governing council member, right? Who knows who it was? Um, but it does seem like there is a bit of a delightful struggle happening between the governing council or whomever and the and the you know <laughs> the uh, the the brainiac social media person at Hedera and. You know, in my mind, I'm kind of like, why, why delete that? It's funny. It's cool. I mean, I can get it. I can understand why it can sometimes, you know, that could come off wrong because, you know, you look at, again, at the top of the show, we were talking to David from FSCO and he's like, the reason we moved from MasterCard's Providence blockchain and chose Hedera was because um, Hedera are the adults in the room. <laughs> Do the adults in the room tweet out LOL? Without context, probably not. Maybe it was a good idea to delete it. 
But I'm, I'm losing it. I'm, I'm upset. That was a great tweet. It, and it ruined my quote tweet. That was getting a lot of likes. It was on, I was on a roll. I was on a roll, guys. I run a couple Twitter accounts for a couple use cases out there. And I got my NFT projects and stuff like that. It was a good joke. It was fun. When that tweet got deleted, mine got ruined. What am I going to do? The other thing I'm upset about is, yeah, so uh, Zenobia tweets out um, a great tweet that, you know, uh, says now is a great time for people uh, to be reminded that, you know, the Hedera Consensus Service, um, you know, is actual real transactions. There's a lot of FUD out there when people look at the transactions on the network and they're very high and they go, listen, it's the same as Solana. It's a bunch of fugazi fugazi. It's, it's, uh, it's not real. It's made up. It's wizzy-wazzy, right? And it's not true. Each of those transactions happening on the Hedera network represents value. There's value being transactions on the network. There's payments being made 500 times every second, right? There's a payment being made on the Hedera network 500 times on average every second. This isn't um, a consensus algorithm. No, this is a consensus service. So we've talked about that at length, all those different types of things. Maybe they should rebrand it. I don't know. But the point is here is they tweeted out a blog post that explains this, right? Um, And there was a part of the article that says, well, if they're not being used in network consensus, what are these transactions? And they list different use cases that run a lot of transactions through the Hedera consensus service. And they list Atma.io. Hala Systems, um, a few others. One obvious omission is Adsdax, which is so insane because Adsdax is a use case that accounts for almost half of the transactions on the network. Now, I understand that there are a billion new transactions um, every month on the network. That's huge. Adsdax accounts for 2 billion transactions maybe. But still, where would the network be without Adsdax? In 2021, in 2022, when Hedera was celebrating a billion transactions, when Hedera was celebrating 2 billion transactions, and they were probably leveraging that KPI to onboard new governing council members, to entice new use cases, to bring levity to the network. That was ASDAX. Why leave them out of this article? I don't know. It's, it's, you know, I'll say here, it's, you know, it's bullshit. Um, But I will say um, in this, Ryan Davies, uh, who, you know, is from ASDAX, um, was, you know, tweeted this out and, and, you know, alerted the community of this and, um, you know, rightfully so, right? And I think um, a good response was left. So a response from none other than Rob Allen, uh, who I think is like, you know, he's 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 really stepping up uh, to the plate here, which I really appreciate in the community. Uh, Rob Allen says, when the histories of Hedera are written, Adsdax will always be seen as the primary catalyst for bringing this next generation decentralized internet 
into the public consensus or sorry, consciousness. And Adsdax deserves a place in the Web3 Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Well, Rob, does Web does Adsdax deserve a place in this article? Update the article. The article was published on the second. It's only been up for a couple days. Update it. Update the article. Add Adsdax. You know, we got the use case here. We got, you know, Atma, of course. You know, billions of transactions, you know, tip of the hat. But like all these other ones, like Hala Systems and blah, whatever. What what transactions have they run, right? ASDAQs did billions. Put them up there. Get them up on there. Why aren't they up there? What's going on? I'm going to lose my mind. I'm getting too, getting too upset. I love you, Rob, though. You did nothing wrong. Um, but yeah, shout out to Ryan Davies. Shout out to ASDAQ. Shout out to Yamgo. I mean, these are good people, right? These are good people that built a use case that, you know, and this was an advertising use case. The AdsDAX was a use case that was live in 2021 that served advertisements on websites via the Hedera network and eliminated advertising fraud, all these different types of things. Heck, it could be a solution to the scams that we were talking about with Tyler from Hashpack just earlier. This fake Google ad that was bought on Google, linking to a fake Hashpack website, stealing people's HBARs. AdsDax could fix that. AdsDax, billions of transactions, amazing use case advertising. Get them on the article. Update the article. I've had enough. Update the article. I'll move on before I lose my mind. Um, Hash Access um, has an update. I don't quite know what to think about it. Um, I'll read out their, their announcement. New feature in introducing Ava. The first custom AI stable diffusion model integrated with Hedera and powered by HBAR. Provide Ava with image prompts and use HBAR to create and download digital artwork. Optionally, mint your unique AI art as Hedera NFT. So a lot of folks have their own opinions and thoughts on AI artwork. Um, We could, you know, a lot of people want less of it. A lot of people think it's really cool. All those different types of things. Um, Let me see what the response has been to this announcement from Hash Axis. Honestly, kind of lukewarm. Like, I mean, not a ton of engagement on this announcement. Uh, So here's the thing. I don't know if this is a big deal for the community, but what I will say is this does seem like a really cool tech demo. Like when we talk about demonstrating to new people um, cool things you can do on the Hedera network, the ability to go to this webpage, right? Hashaccess.com slash AVA, AVA, and type in an image prompt, um, connect your hash pack or blade wallet, generate an AI art NFT. It's yours and then you can mint it and you can sell it. This is a really fun, great way to kind of dive into the network and instantly have a cool moment. Um, and then, I mean, thoughts on AR, AI artwork aside, I don't think this is anything the community was asking for. But again, the more cool things that we can give people to do when they're hopping on to Hedera, the better. Um, and, you know, I just bring it up because, I mean, if you, if you, you know, if you're trying to get someone on board to Hedera or maybe a creator or something and, you want to show them kind of what the process of NFT stuff is like. Hey, this might be really cool. So check it out. Um, and geez, what else we got going on here? Um, 
we got another thread from let me see if I have time for this. This this looks like a bit of a juicy one. Do we have time for this? Let me see. Oh my god, it's almost nine o'clock over here in Ottawa. I got my fiance waiting for me to watch Last of Us. Or actually I don't think Last of Us airs for another 20 minutes. Or yeah, so I think I'm okay. I think we got time. I think it's gonna be okay, guys. We can do this. Um so uh Danny tweets out um this the founder of uh, abysmal what, what's the name of this use case abysmal underscore dg is the twitter username um and there is a i guess a game called astronova yeah okay here we go here we go so uh founder tweets or, or says quote the reason why we went ahead with hedera was we got introduced thanks to one of our devs who was working with google he was working on a very secret project with hedera for sustainability uh what What's that about? That was divulged on a Q&A uh, that Astronova and uh, these folks were a part of. So Danny's thread talks about this use case, which is really great. But I mean, the hook here is Google is working on a very secret project with Hedera for sustainability. Huh? Lehman mentioned a Fortune 10 use case google was rumored to be that use case google is a governing council member google is hosting the next governing council meeting according to these folks google was working on a top secret project for hedera in regards to sustainability my goodness i'm not going to spend much more time on that i'll spin my wheels but just for the radar, guys. I mean, that's a breadcrumb. That's enough. That's enough breadcrumbs for a whole loaf, in my opinion. Saucer Swap. Uh, they're they're putting out a bunch of teasers for a, a UI refresh um, with a bunch of different features. I mean, last week we talked about a teaser they put out um, of the swapping interface. They put out another update, which it appears they're building in uh, a light mode. Right. So Saucer Swap is dark mode which is nice, uh, but they've got light mode now. They're, 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 uh, you can have it, you know, brighten your day. Um, and alongside the swapping interface, they're going to have charts. You can see trends in regards to volume, um, TVL, all these different types of things. So more tools for people to have insights before they hit the swap button, um, which is great. Um, and I believe that those um, updates will be coming on the 7th. Uh, yeah, no, I should check the saucer swap Twitter. I don't want to I don't want to be incorrect with this date, but they are launching um, a UI refresh on the 7th this week. Think about that this week community updates. We've got hash pack secure trade version two coming and we've got saucer swap ui refresh coming big news um and you know jesus that's that we got through it we got through it that's that was my last story um so you know another week behind us and another week ahead um a huge shout out to everybody listening live on twitter spaces right now and an extra shout out to everyone listening to the recording on apple podcasts Spotify, YouTube, or wherever you may find yourself. 
If you have a moment, give the show a rating and review on your favorite platform. It helps a lot. Thank you, David from FSCO for hopping on the show. Um, thank you, Tyler from Hashpack for hopping on the show, helping me out with some of these news stories and insights. A lot of key things shared. Um, I mean, I'm not going to harp on this too much, but of course we know that FSCO is going to be bringing some integrations for event-based payments via MasterCard um, to Hedera. I asked them about Visa and they said no comment. That was interesting. Also, Tyler mentioning that uh, the new version of Hashpack is coming this week is big. He pushed the update live to Android by accident. So if you're on Android now, I think you might have access to Secure Trade version 2 early. Kind of cool. Um, and, you know, is it all coming together? Feels like it. I still don't know, but I mean, it feels like it. Think about what we talked about today. It's big stuff. Like, the show this week was two hours long. When I started the show, I could barely fill an hour. Now I can barely keep it under two hours. So um, if that is an indicator, that should probably be the ultimate indicator of growth on the network. Can Brandon keep this show under two hours? The harder that gets to be, the faster this ecosystem is growing. Um, And I think that something I was talking about, I don't know if it was last week or the week before, just my final thought to wrap things up is, again, we talk a lot about the price of HBAR, right? We talk a lot about um, what's happening with a bunch of different assets on other networks, or not other networks, sorry, um, on this network, on HTS, right? Like Dovu and Sauce and HSuite and like whatever, and the prices of those various things. And the fact that they're all going down along with everything else and the stock market and whatever. But also the fact that the value on the network, right? The value on the network is going up. Great example, governing council member, we talked about this. DLA Piper has half a billion worth of securities tokenized on Hedera. If you want to talk about value, there's value right there. There's half a billion in value. Um, And that keeps going up, right? Price of HBAR keeps going down. Value on the network keeps going up. I'll let you do the math. Is it all coming together? It feels like it, but I don't know, but it feels like it. More likely it is than not. And when you're looking at numbers, please, 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 more often than not right now, look at the numbers of the actual network, the transactions, the time to finality. What are the popular topic IDs on the network? Um, All those different types of things. Open up the hood. Crack open the engine. Look at what's going on. Metrica is a great resource for that. I use that all the time. Don't worry about the price right now. Who cares? Who cares? Everything's in the pooper. We're seeing all sorts of scary news coming out about um, what could be happening next. What's the next shoe to drop, right? How long is this bear going to stay in hibernation? Who cares? You look at the actual network, crack open the hood, it's all up, transactions up, TVL. I mean, TVL saw a little blip, but up, everything's up. And final thing on that, 
is right. Co-founder of Hedera, co-CEO of Swirls, Mance said, you know, something to the effect of all of those things going up on the network. That's not due to the governing council, right? That's due to the community, right? Remember that. Keep that in mind. So thank you for tuning in to Hashgraph News and Rumors, episode 67, Is It All Coming Together? Broadcast live on Twitter Spaces every Sunday at 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific, and made available on all major podcast platforms, including Spotify and Apple Podcasts, every Monday. Get all the info you need about the show and listen to past episodes at itsbrandond.com slash hbar. Make sure to join the Hashgraph Enthusiast Twitter community to share your insights, ask questions, invite new friends. If you'd like to become a supporter of the show, feel free to send an hbar donation to enthusiast.hbar using your Hedera wallet. Um, and, you know, I really appreciate everyone tuning in. And I'll see you live on Twitter Spaces next Sunday at 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific. For everyone listening now, I'm going to keep the spaces open as usual for a few more moments so everyone can follow each other and stay connected. If you see somebody that you know that you haven't talked to in a bit listening right now, click on their profile, send them a message, say, hey, what's up? How's it going? Maybe they got something new going on you should know about. If you see someone you don't know, take a moment now, click their profile, send them a message, say, what's up? Right? If you're listening to this show, you've got something in common. Get connected. That's what this is all about. That's what Web3 is all about. And with that, hello future. Goodbye past.